Welcome to Tunnel Talk Radio on 90.3 Karen U Lincoln with your host, Colton Stone. I think Mark Stoops has probably realized that when you play defense, you need 11 guys out on the field. And Stephen Huff. Baton Rouge through and through. I mean, this guy is gumbo running through his veins. Welcome to it, Tunnel Talk Radio here on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln. I'm Stephen Huff alongside, as always, my good pal Colton Stone. Colton, happy Monday. It seems like it's been a while since we've been in the booth on a Monday. I, of course, missed last week's show. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. Uh, no worries about missing last week. Always always better to spend time with family, especially in a, a situation like that. I would have done the same thing, um, except for when my niece was born that same day. We tried to get uh, my brother-in-law to go to a concert with us and he's like yeah i should probably get his priorities stay with the baby and i was like yeah, that's probably a good idea so but other than that good i'm so excited for you i saw a picture of of your niece it's hard to tell if they're going to be cute right away but right. yeah but little babies are always fun time will tell unless they cry she then, is then it's not your problem super easy no crying and, As uh, the uncle, it's not your You're only there problem. for the fun times. So <laughs> I saw your shirt. I like it. You like that? The I, fun uh, shirt? Um, I'm kind of the same way. As soon as my niece is upset, it's like, mm, yeah, I'm, I'm not you here for that plans, part. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, would you look at the time? Yeah. yeah I, uh, I mean, I, I, my niece is pretty easygoing. She's just up and at him, likes to run around, likes to eat snacks. How old is your niece? She is... Let's see. She'll, she's we'll cut, almost two and a half. We'll cut out the part where you couldn't remember. Just well, I'm trying to think of like if, if, yeah, it's almost two and a half. So I knew she was two. I didn't know how specific you wanted me to be. But yeah, no, being an uncle though is best gig there is out there. Oh, yeah. There. I don't, I only get, the thing is, you only see them every so often. I mean, when they're really young, they're not going to remember you right away. But now, like if I call my mom and she's with my mom and she'll say hi to me over the phone and yeah it's fun it's so, all smiles there's never once no they any- talk it's they're just yeah. and you said you have a niece too right yep yeah they'll be sassy that's yeah. the best part but it'll be the fun part yeah and then you get to be the fun uncle but uh looking at that pack this past weekend excuse <laughs> me uh nebraska falling to wisconsin um of course 41 24 mm-hmm. um initial thoughts from that game just overarching thoughts from it all uh penalties man and as you Always. can you can say it's the refs, you can say it's being undisciplined. It's it's a good mix. I feel like maybe not a good mix, probably a bad mix. But um, you know, I, I know a lot of fans and and spectators are, are really quick to say, you know, why are why aren't we getting calls? And and they are, but it it's tough when some of the calls you're getting are a block in the back or. Uh, roughing the passer or a penalty after the play whatever it may be so every week they find a way to slow down their own drives or uh kill drives when they're on defense and the thing the thing too or kill stands on defense the thing especially like look at look at that play where mo washington got hit in the head right he catches it incredible pass incredible mm-hmm. incredible catch gets hit right in the helmet his helmet like cracked i don't know if you saw that like he had a chunk of his helmet missing which i don't know how they let him continue to play yeah. but and then there's a holding call also so a kid gets tossed for targeting incredible pass great catch and a holding call that negates everything that just happened i mean that that's a that's a drive killer right. because you would have been inside i think the 30 or 20 like right in that range and the game was still close at the time and i i think the takeaway is that they they have the talent to compete at that level they just aren't disciplined enough and the and the thing too is look at the first drive wisconsin had they only got three points best case scenario for nebraska they took eight minutes to do it half a quarter yeah they oh. took half the quarter the half the first quarter to score three points and took one-fourth of the whole first half out of the game. And so then then you look at, like, what Nebraska does, and, of course, they're trying to run speed, but, the you know, if even if you go down and score a touchdown right away in two minutes, they can hold on the ball for eight more minutes and score. Like, it's – now that's Wisconsin. That's just who they are. But – and then you get situations where Jonathan Taylor busts an 88-yard run. So it's 
It's a dual-edged sword when you play Wisconsin. Yeah, we'll get to Jonathan Taylor, I'm sure, in a little bit. First, I want to <laughs> keep on uh subject of discipline. I don't know if you saw, but Frost started having uh, referees attend practice for Nebraska mm-hmm. um, so then players understand what's going to get called and what's not because um, that has been a problem nonstop for the team this year. When do you think you'll start seeing better discipline from this team? Because uh, you would have expected to see it already, but uh, we're still looking for it. It sounds weird to say, but getting the bad apples out of there. And it, you don't know who they are because you don't know who it is in practice either. Because, it, it, you know, people can always say what you do in practice transfers to what you do in the game. But, I mean, it is. If in practice you think it's okay to hit someone with your helmet, you're going to do it in a game if you have a mental lapse. If no one tells you that uh, what you did is a block in the back, you will do that in a game and think it was correct. Now, there are situations where you don't get a full explanation of why a flag was called or whatever it may be, and so that's another issue you run into. But, I mean, they've spent – they at least have said they've spent enough time trying to tell guys, like, you can't do this, don't do this. But it's still – every Saturday it it keeps happening. And so I don't know – I don't know. I really don't because if you're going to average 10, 11, 12 penalties a game, it's – You can't win that way. You can't win. It's not a recipe for success. And you don't know – and it seems like every week it's somebody different and maybe not for a bad reason or, or, or a good reason by any means, but it, it's hard to tell who it's going to be. Offensively, you mentioned how Nebraska was still in the game for the majority of the first half, and there was moments where you thought they might take the next step and really compete, but they could never – fully compete against Wisconsin even three nothing at the end of one it kind of felt like Wisconsin dominated the game although Nebraska's offense was just on the brink of finding that path to the end zone um so there's some silver linings from this game for for Nebraska's offense at least yeah well I the first team to have 500 plus offensive yards since Alabama in 2015 against Wisconsin that's a that's a huge deal right to even be in that same category but it also shows that you know, Wisconsin's nobody to mess with. That means Ohio State hasn't done that. That means Penn State hasn't done that. Michigan hasn't. Michigan State hasn't. Like, you look at all these power offenses in the Big Ten, and for Nebraska to have done that with, and I know people keep saying it's a young team, it's this, it's that. At some point, that's got to get stripped from this team. You know, you it, you can only be young for so long and inexperienced <laughs> for so long. Um, but injuries aren't helping either. So uh, we said at the beginning of the year the question mark would be the defense, and I think it still is because the offense, other than Michigan, has looked fine. Yeah. And it's looked – you know, I, I saw a stat. It was 82% of teams that have 500 yards of offense or more or some number like that win, and Nebraska has lost doing that three times this year. That's that's like there'll be some regression to the mean. Yeah, (laughs) there has to be. So that number, based on Nebraska losing, that number alone will fall. And that's the crazy thing is that their offense has been so efficient at times that it's again it's the penalties that just come back and kill them, or it's their defense. Now, the tough part too is. You want to run an offense that's out there for two and a half minutes and scores a touchdown, but you want your defense to be ready to go at all times. And it's a struggling defense that hasn't got much rest. You've got injuries, not much rest. And, and a if quick you're out, offense if doesn't help. <laughs> if you're out there for eight minutes against a team that's going to beat you up like Wisconsin, even if they only walk away with three points, you might be back out there in two minutes. So For another eight-minute drive. For another, yeah, five, six. I mean, and yeah, it's just – it's. Saying it's not fair, it's college football. This is just what it is. But it's almost just like at some point the offense has to find a way to kind of slow down while still running their same tempo. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor for Wisconsin ran for 221 yards. I mean, he did what Jonathan Taylor always does. Runs hard, runs quick, and runs into the end zone. Ran for three scores, and Nebraska nearly gave up 400 yards on the ground, uh, which is odd because that was one of the strengths we saw from Nebraska at the beginning of the year was the front seven mm-hmm. uh, with the pass rush and good run defense, it seemed. Uh, nothing like that anymore, though, for the Huskers. Yeah, they, they are still one sack shy of their season total last year, but when you started with half of your season total from last year in one game, 
and then immediately go, I think it was 7-3, 1-1-1. Like, they've only had one sack each of the past three weeks um, against a lot better offensive lines. Uh, it, you know, that's you can't take that part away from the past three Big Ten teams they've played, but the the pressure just hasn't been there. And I know we said that it was a strength at the very beginning of the year, and it's slowly regressed into a weakness. Um, but like we said, guys aren't staying healthy. Um, guys aren't getting a lot of rest when they go back out there. They're facing offensive lines that are probably all Americans, um, or at least Big Ten first teams, and so or going to be playing on Sundays. So that's the tough. You know, they they aren't getting. You know, they aren't playing Platoon Cookman twelve times this year. Um, just once, <laughs> but the way they've been playing, it's it's not that that game itself also becomes an issue. It's just that you you would hope that by that time it, it's it's taken care of. But I I thought this game was going to be a measuring stick game for them, and they they looked better against a better team. Yeah, I, I would think. agree. And there were just a few lapses of judgment at times that whether it was play calling or being undisciplined or whatever. And Wisconsin did what we knew they were going to do. They didn't rely on Hornybrook, although he played fairly well. And they went to the ground game. And guys that weren't Jonathan Taylor were running all over Nebraska. And so it's it's not an easy thing to defend. And I think Wisconsin's like three biggest rushing games from a single like rusher three of the past five were against Nebraska. Yeah, they like playing the Oscars. So they like running against the Oscars. That's, or maybe it, they showed the five games against the last five games against Nebraska or whatever it is. But yeah, Jonathan Taylor has, has had 200 yards the past two years. So play calling for Nebraska. Divino Zigbo was coming off a career week for yeah. him. And then he only got five touches on the ground, ran for 29 yards. I can't figure it out. I don't know if you've thought about it and figured it out why he wasn't given the ball more. I think uh, Martinez had 13 carries on the day. Ozigbo and Washington both had five, and then Bunch had one. You know, I, I know this number is uh, probably different by now, but going into the game last week, Adrian Martinez was ninth in carries. Yeah, and that doesn't surprise me, but just seeing the usage that Ozigbo had. Right and the focal point that he was the week before to only get five carries. Yeah, it was weird. Through the first, I'm trying to remember the number now, through the first, maybe his first half or so, um, it could be a little less, only two running back carries. Yeah. Two carries by running back at all. And he averaged just under six yards a carry, which obviously would go down if he got more. Right. Um, but still, it's not like he was uh, doing poorly on the day. Yeah, it's it's a question of, you know, people like to say that, teams start passing more when they're down you need to find a way to come back I think they've they've started to trust Adrian Martinez's arm more Um, we've actually we've been talking about this at work that he as good of a runner as he is and as good as throwing on the run he can be his his decision making sometimes is questionable because because of the athlete that Martinez he is. trusts he, himself so much. Right. He wants to run. Why throw it away if he can make a play? But or then, why check down when he can throw a bullet 30 right. yards downfield and maybe make a huge play? Exactly. And so it's that's the, a question mark. But the other thing, too, is that out of the pocket, he is an incredible passer oh, yeah. out of the pocket because he got, enough, he got enough protection in the second half that he didn't have to run out. There were times where, yes, the he reason he was to. running is because he needed to. But, but you there could were tell even some of them were where he didn't need to run out, but he did move out of right, the pocket. Exactly. And there's you know, maybe it's the reads, maybe it's receivers not breaking coverage. You know, it is you can't put it all on him. But even he said today in the press conference that he probably put more pressure on himself than he needed to, but that's also how it's that's just how it's gonna be. So it's I would have thought they were going to run it more, and and last year they had success running it up up the middle against Wisconsin. I know this is a little different team. In fact, I thought maybe the run game would have been better against this team than well, the last one. It's interesting because their defense on paper has gotten worse, mm-hmm. statistically looking at the yardage. Uh, rush defense a little bit worse now. Still one of the best in the country both right. years, but uh, run defense was better last year for Wisconsin, which is almost unimaginable, but they shied away from it all day, it seemed. Well, yeah, and they, they were giving up. 130 
five yards a game, yeah. I think, going into it. So even – I mean, imagine this. Nebraska had, what, 90 yards rushing or something like that, probably less than that. Um, Just, I think, 105 or so, 110. So if they could have gotten even 50 more yards, 60 more yards, those are those are drives that get extended. Um, those are, are chances of scoring. You can also say, you know, week in and week out, we say special teams. There were some punts that didn't flip the field. Um, there was some punt coverage that didn't flip, help flip the field. Um, there was a kick return that all could have been a house call. We'll have plenty of special teams later, especially yeah. once we get to NFL. But that's the thing is that every time they get themselves into a position where they could be sitting pretty or they're down 10, down 6, and have Something a chance. Something falls short. Right. It's a flag. It's, it's a blown Caleb coverage. Orange, shanked punt. It's a shank punt. It's a missed tackle. It's an arm tackle. It, you know, yeah. I mean, for example, and not to call out anybody, whether they're listening or not, but like the hit that Antonio Reed had on, uh, I think his last name's Deal, or I, one, it wasn't Jonathan Taylor. It was one of the other When he tried backs. to he like light him up, up, and then he and wasn't he, down. He was already dancing because he already, thought he nailed him. Right, he's already celebrating. It's like, I get your safety, and that's kind of how safeties tackle. You know, you watch the film of Sean Taylor and Ed Reed. Brian and, Dawkins. And, right. Like, they tackle with their body and not with their arms. But when you're trying to take down – a Wisconsin running back, it's a little different. He's a little different build than a wide receiver. Yeah. So that that's just an example of things that, you know, you, you know, people. he's not going to like seeing that on tape probably, on film. I'm sure yeah. he's already seen it. I'm sure he's seen it a little bit too much. They, they probably just have it on his locker, little, his just little TV loop. screen. <laughs> yeah, like use your arms, wrap up. But back, that's, that's the thing. It's just things like that. Back to Martinez. Um, and now he's not at this level, nearly at this level yet. I'm not saying he is. But do you see a comparison between Martinez and Patrick Mahomes? Similar athletes, similar mm-hmm. play style. Obviously, Mahomes is a lot more ironed out and lighting up the NFL. But uh, early in his college career, he was very much so a gunslinger, not the best decisions all the time, an athlete. Uh, maybe Martinez could come out one day looking like Mahomes, or at least Husker fans hope to think. Uh, as long as we're not making the exact comparison, uh, no, uh, I I agree. the The basic um, I don't want to phrase this. The basic mechanics of of how Martinez plays is very similar. Obviously, Mahomes was the better thrower, mm-hmm. but playing in the Big Twelve, it's a little different. Um, also, and and I know I I just said like ten minutes ago that we need to strip the whole young and experienced, but he is still a freshman. Yeah, the there's end, like four years difference yeah, between these guys. Right, exactly. And and you know, Mahomes is getting paid millions and Martinez is And he's learning from 18 Andy years Reed, old. like yeah. one of the best and, quarterback gurus ever. And Martinez is learning from one of the best college football gurus. True. So uh as far as quarterbacks go, and he's learning from Scott Frost, and he's learning from Ryan Hell. I mean, they they have the people to do it. That's the thing. But it's it's really it's really going to come down to decision making. He's not making bad decisions. Questionable at times, though, and I think that a little you can aggressive watch the tape. at times, kind of right. like Mahomes was at Texas Tech. And you know that's not a it's not a bad thing to be aggressive, but in the wrong moments, it can look bad. It could really hurt you. Right. It's it's something that, like you said, Mahomes is ironed out. It's something that is just going to have to be groomed. And decision making is the toughest part for any quarterback. Oh, yeah. I, you, Especially because emulating that in practice isn't the same. It's like live hitting in baseball. You can hit well in the cages. I sure did. But you get out <laughs> on the field, and it's a completely different story. And you're getting beaten three times a game. <laughs> so, you know, but, the, yeah, that's the thing is that he – all the talent's there. All the ability is there. It's just – it's little things yeah. with the whole team. And, like I said, at times he was getting good protection. At times he wasn't. Uh, at times he was making the right decision to – hold it and at times he wasn't and we were watching the game and the thing is is he gets sacked on one play from running outside the pocket and not throwing it away but on the next one he gets an eight yard scamper and it's like he does it too often that you can't be like why aren't you throwing it away and then he runs it for 14 yards it's like maybe hold on to it yeah but and he he didn't throw a pick um and he didn't have as many high throws where he's really just missing the mark completely. And he said, he said again in his press conference today that he left probably 10 completions out there. 
but some of that's on the receivers too. There's, you know, even carrying over from last year, some receivers are getting hit in the hands and not catching yeah. it. And then, you know, you get a guy like J.D. Spielman who goes for 209 yards, breaking his own record of 200 yards. So it's it, – the weapons and talent are there. It's, it's just the little things. It, it really is going to be. We mentioned it briefly at the end of the last show, but Tyshawn Lindsey and Greg Bell, some weapons Nebraska's offense lost. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought you felt the impact of Greg Bell a little bit, even though they didn't run the ball much. There was a moment where Washington went down and it looked like he was hurt. They and, crawled off the field. Yeah, and you thought brought you back those nightmares whenever Martinez went hurt and you no longer have Tristan Jebbia, mm-hmm. and now Maurice Washington's hurt. You don't have Greg Bell that can come in and take some carries. Uh, it's poetic in a way. Right, and that's the thing is, you know, he crawls off the field, comes back out, gets hit in the head on a catch that should have counted, but a couple of, again, mental lapses, and he, you know, people are thinking like, oh, he could have a concussion, he might have to get sit out. Dude pops right back up and gets back out there. And so, you know, Mo is just as young as, as Adrian is, um, and he's he's just got that fight in him. He's just got that toughness and grit to him that um, unless he's really hurt or like last week he was ill, so if you don't practice, you don't play, he'll, he'll be out there no matter what, and that's what he's going to try to do. But, yeah, you, you know, not so much Lindsey because he really wasn't playing that much anyways, but. He was always that guy you expected to take the next step. And especially in this offense. Kind of hasn't yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Greg Bell was, of course, the number one Juco running back. Already had somewhat of a role, but was going to expand hopefully later on in the year and certainly next year after Ozigbo graduates. Well, and that's the thing that, you know, I think if, you know, we can't speculate by any means, but that's always a decision you have to make between waiting it out and leaving is, well, if I don't have a role now, will I have a role next year? They do have more running backs coming in. They have basically said that Moe's the guy of the future. And, and they show it with how much he plays as right. well. And I, you know, they aren't afraid to use freshmen. They said that from the very start, that they'll only register guys if they have to. And it's a young team, so it makes sense. They want yeah. these guys to build that car- com- camaraderie. Excuse Charisma, me. either yeah. way. But, and that's chemistry, too. But the this is what I meant to say. But, um, yeah, that's the thing is that these guys have to play together because – it's going to be them next year. And it's they, going to be them for the next two, three years, yeah. potentially. So it's it's not like they're playing young guys, you know, ah, let's try this thing out. Yeah. It's like, no, we almost have to. Yeah. And if you want even a chance, I mean, they're, they're sitting at 0-5. I, I know that's not reflective of who they are. Um, I understand. Who they are in the f- statistically. Yeah. I understand it from both sides, arguing the players shouldn't leave and then the argument for the players leaving. Um, how about the university or the football team um, announcing who Greg Bell can't be courted by? Right. Uh, no teams that Nebraska plays next year. Right. Uh, within the next two or three years, two or three I think. Years. Right. Um, and the the rule they came out with is that you can't stop a grad transfer um, as long as the school they transfer to has the program, um, which I I agree with because if you're a grad transfer and it's like, hey. Vanderbilt has a really good law school, but you played for Florida. You can't go and there. And <laughs> Florida's like, nah, we don't feel like letting him go there. That's kind of BS because, like. This guy is probably going into something other than sports yeah, and you're neglecting Yeah, he doesn't care about the football part. Yeah. It's just an added bonus to help him get free grad school, yeah. right? And so the difference, though, is that I believe you can still block regular transfers. Um, mm-hmm. And no Big Ten teams, that makes sense, I, I think. No Colorado, no Oklahoma. No, no Colorado, no Oklahoma. Southern Alabama. <laughs> South Alabama was the was the best one people were tweeting about. Like, <laughs> you can't go there, anywhere but there. Um, no Northern Illinois, no Central Michigan. Um, no, there were a couple other ones on there. Yeah, no um, South Alabama. But This it, is something I don't know if I agree with completely, though, I'm going to be honest, because... This kid has had dreams of making the NFL, obviously, since he was little, probably five, six, seven years old, has worked for it. Um, Things haven't always gone his way, but he's still uh, fighting for it every day. Obviously, the number one Juco back, um, 
was probably highly recruited out of JUCO. It's a mm-hmm. much more common trend than it used to be. And now uh, if Oklahoma or Colorado came knocking or another Big Ten school, uh, he can't go there. And that also hurts his chances of making the NFL. Um, I'm looking up his recruiting. I don't know if this is after JUCO or before JUCO. But, but just morally, I don't know how I feel about a team who is unhappy he's leaving uh, saying he cannot go where they don't want him to go. See, and the thing is, is I agree with it to an extent because, like, uh, you know, people are always like, you know, I'm going to uh, – they look forward to that day that they play the team that they used to play for. But at the same time, it's in the best interest of, I think, both people. Because That's probably true, yeah. If – if there is any bad blood, it's like, hey, we don't have to see this guy yeah. in two years um, unless it's, you know, by a bowl game or, you know, some dumb luck. But you look at the other Power 5 schools that were looking at him, um, I guess, yeah, Louisville's in the ACC, Tennessee, Utah, Arizona, Arizona State. Then you've got Fresno State, Louisiana Tech, New Mexico, San Diego State, and Boise State. Probably a decent amount of those probably didn't have a shot of landing him right well and then you've got nebraska on that list and when you look at the other staffs and what was going on at some of these schools and then you look at nebraska like nebraska was the best setup for them probably other than boise state to be honest but you look at some of the other teams um you know boise state had six running backs on the roster Mm -hmm. and so did nebraska but then you get down a little farther arizona state says they have 18 on the roster um between all the freshmen and all of the, you know, you've got a senior, a couple of juniors, sophomores. So it, Louisiana Tech was had, had the most empty cabinet for running backs. But if it came down to Louisiana Tech and Nebraska, like, I, I think the choice is obvious. Especially with how hard Scott Frost pushed for him mm-hmm. to come to Nebraska. So, But he had offers from all these schools. He has an opportunity to go all of them. I, I get the 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 weirdness with saying a kid can't go somewhere but i think it's honestly in the best interest not only for the program which you know not the program's not trying to sound selfish by any means but it's probably more in the best interest of of the player because it's it's just avoiding any unnecessary contact or or if you know the players are mad about it or if there's some kind of bad blood that led him to leave um other than not starting so Yes, it's weird. Yes, it's odd. But at the same time, I, I think it's, it makes sense it's what from certain people. To yeah. be, right? Out of that list, um, now he may not go to any of these schools, but if you, had to pick, if you had to pick from that list that he was previously recruited by, because um, this is a different case than Jebbia. Jebbia, we yep. overlooked Oregon State, but he was recruited by Mike Riley. Greg Bell was recruited by Scott Frost, and he's the first Frost player to leave. Uh, out of this list, and, and Jebbia was recruited by the guy that's currently at Oregon State, at Oregon but State. he was recru- recruited to go to Washington. Right. So, out of the schools that he was recruited by, not Nebraska, um, which one could you see him landing to? If he ends up in Power Five, um, I know I just said that Arizona State has a bunch of guys on the roster, but maybe one of the Arizona schools because he went to Arizona Western um, Community College, Arizona State runs the ball quite a bit now that they're kind of shifting to almost a pro-style offense with Herm. That's what Herm prefers. Right. So whether whether Herm's there for a long time or not, for at least the next pro- couple of years. Two years, yeah. probably job security. I, I, said it's, I said it's probably a three-year solution until unless something great happens. Uh, but the other thing with that, too, is that Eno Benjamin, I believe, is a redshirt freshman, uh, and he is already breaking records and has had seven touchdowns in three games. So I don't think – and then you've got DeMario Richard as a senior. So you've got plenty of guys down there. Um, someone could take him down to Arizona if he wants to stay in that area. His second highest-ranked school was Tennessee. I don't know how they are with running backs, but an SEC they program They recruit would, Juco guys quite a bit. Right, and, and that would be a good place to end up um, if you want to play Power 5 still. Louisville – is kind of an in situation kind right of in now. limbo not as good as they used to be and you don't know if they're going to regress quite a bit or my to contend. my best guess would be um a middle of the road sec team where he'll get a lot of playing time or probably a pac-12 school I th- and, and i think the backup to those is boise state i think my favorite out of the list san diego state yeah smaller right. school he'd get playing time i think he'd be the guy but they also have pumped out rashard penny 
uh, Marshall Falk and a couple guys in between that have mm-hmm. uh, been contenders in the nation for the uh, who's the guy before Penny? There was I know that's guy. what I was trying yeah, to think I of, am. but I kind of think oh no, it wasn't P. Ryan. He, he went to Oklahoma. Yeah, there was a guy before um, Rashad Penny, but yeah, that's they constantly pump out uh, NFL caliber backs. Yeah, that contend for S- Doak Walker awards. So, so that's. Yeah, I think that's where I could options. see him land if it's not Power 5 as well. But moving on from all that, let's go through our Big Ten Power Rankings quickly before uh, we Pumphrey. get... Pumphrey. Don, yeah. Pumphrey, yeah. Before we get on to the NFL. Um, number one, Ohio State <laughs> struggled for a while, but they ended up pulling away 49-26 over Indiana. Um, maybe they weren't paying attention to the game as much. It could have been a trap game for them, but they still won. Uh, I'm assuming Buckeyes are still at the top of our list. Yeah, I again, I, I think I said this last week. The Buckeyes will not will not not be number one unless they lose one or more times and depending on who it is because say you know right now i believe we still have ohio state penn state that might change but um but between those two ohio state has beat them head to head and they've been more convincing just about everywhere yeah even if penn state keeps winning and ohio state's the one ahead of them it's justified they'd have to get blown out number two penn state Last week. They had a bye, uh, right? Yep. And so this week they had a bye. Um, Michigan was third, and they struggled with Maryland for a little bit, as we thought might happen. But they, too, just as the Ohio State, pulled away 42-21 over Maryland. Michigan won. Is that enough to jump Penn State, who is coming off a bye? I think, you know, usually we don't penalize a team for not playing. But Michigan did beat what we would consider one of the better not talent giants in the yeah, big 10 the probably the best <laughs> the best not top four of the big east um or the big 10 east rather so i think it's enough to push michigan to pen above penn state i know we had that debate last week um so i think moving to five and one which is the same as penn state or penn state maybe four and one i think that's enough to get ahead of them but if we dive into the numbers and there's some discrepancy, but it's I, splitting I, hairs between those. Two yeah, though. but I think Michigan probably can move up to two. And so if Penn They've State good. slides to three, does Wisconsin stay at four? Because this is they a still team. haven't looked as good as Penn State. I don't right. think. I don't think so either. But it's a team that, other than the BYU loss, and it seems like they've fixed those problems, has looked solid. Yeah, and you know it was close against Iowa, as uh, that game always is. Yeah, it, that wasn't a surprise. It was closer against Nebraska than I – it was as close as I thought it could be, but it was still, I think, closer than a lot of people expected it to be um, based on, I mean, how well they were running the ball that maybe they let the uh, foot off the gas a little bit. I I think they have to stay at four just because if you were to put Penn State on a field against the teams that Wisconsin has played, I think they're different results. Number five? Michigan State was five last week, I believe, but they dropped to Northwestern, mm-hmm. who we are. And six was Iowa. Yeah, we were down on Northwestern these past two weeks, and mm-hmm. they beat the Spartans 29-19, while Iowa beat Minnesota 48-31. Other than losing to Wisconsin, Iowa's the best chance to win the Big Ten West. Um, Michigan State with a loss to Northwestern. They're probably out of the East contention now. I... I <laughs> Pretty. I, I know that sounds weird because they haven't played Ohio State or Penn State or anybody. But, but on paper, they don't stack up to those they, teams it, either. I don't think they would beat them. So that may be another splitting hairs one. But again, a win's a win and a loss is a loss. Five and six, Hawkeyes, Spartans. Yeah, I think I think Iowa gets gets to gets the bump back up to five. How about seven? Maryland played close for a while, ended up falling. Indiana played close for a while. It's and falling. And Purdue gets a bye, so I don't know I don't know if Purdue not playing gets to move up in front of both of them. That'd be a big jump from nine to seven, I feel like. Especially for two teams who competed against teams they weren't suspected to really compete against mm-hmm. outside of maybe you and I with Maryland and Michigan. Maryland's now one and one. Indiana's one and actually Indiana's you know, one and two in the so <laughs> a seven and eight's the part where we, it's hard to really move anybody yep. because you know you, you joke around that one and two are the hardest to even like write about, but seven and eight is the hardest to move around because if Maryland wants to move ahead of anybody, they have to win. They have to beat a top school. Yeah, and if 
Indiana wants to do it, they have to do the same thing. But for the teams behind them to move up in front of them, they have to win and win well. So I think those two are still 7-8. Indiana might jump up just because I think they've started to look better. But 1-2 and two in the Big Ten, it is the Big Ten power rankings. Yep. So 7-8 stay the same. 9 yeah. still Purdue. Yeah, they can't penalize them for not playing. 10? Northwestern. Northwestern. Uh, Minnesota gets I, I, a 17-point loss. Trophy game. You knew at some point I was probably going to take away with it. but So Northwestern that we thought would look worse. Looked better. Looked, looked a lot better these past Equal and weeks. better, yeah. And so they're up, and Minnesota slides down to 11. When you look at Clayton Thorson, just to talk about Northwestern, we, we kept saying, like, we have not seen a complete game from this guy. We have, And this week we finally did. 31 for 47, 373 yards and three touchdowns. That's This is a Clayton Thorson we didn't expect at the beginning of the season to see at all. And, you know, they've only got two wins, but their two wins are in the Big Ten. And I know I said Iowa other than Wisconsin. Northwestern hasn't played Wisconsin yet. If Northwestern can contend with Wisconsin or maybe pull an upset, you may be looking at like an 8-4 and four Northwestern or 7-5 Northwestern potentially playing for the Big Ten West. Yeah, Thorson had a good game, 31-47, 373 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. So some mistakes, but still looked a lot better than what we've seen from him. Uh, <laughs> running the ball against Michigan State, they had a grand total, let's see, of 10 yards. Yeah, uh, Michigan State. Best run defense probably in the Big Ten yeah. or at least top two. And well, one North- of the best ones in the country, too. Yeah, Northwestern we've talked about lost Larkin, so that's why we expected them to drop off so much. Mm-hmm. Thorson steps up at the right time. Yeah, and that's I know I, I said this about Martinez basically. When you're playing from behind, you throw it a lot. Well, when you're playing without a running back, you're going to throw it a lot. And I Clayton Thorson is is the kind of guy that he's got the athleticism to run, but he doesn't quite have the knees to consistently run. So I I think they are in the business of keeping him as healthy as possible. Um, and if it's him throwing it 47 times a game, if it's him throwing it 50 times a game, so be it. I mean, if that's how they're going to win, that's how they're going to win. They they have they have a legitimate shot with a two and three record to compete for the Big Ten West title. <laughs> and that sounds crazy, but they have a better Big Ten record than Iowa. Well, they've played more games, but still, um, they are just one game behind. Wisconsin haven't played them yet so and Northwestern's been a team of the past that has shocked some of the Giants in the Big Ten they just beat Michigan State I mean that no one no one should have seen that coming and it happened so not good enough to jump ahead of Purdue but a team to keep your eye out for Mm -hmm. moving forward uh Illinois probably staying at 12 we uh titled this week as their second straight bye week as they went and played uh Rutgers and won 38-17 Arter Sikowski threw another touchdown. That's two weeks in a row for the guy. And and I'd like to say that I predicted A.J. Bush coming back. Yeah, um, and he did well. Slightly. I, I, I won't say I did it. You know, I didn't say he's going to play this week, but I thought he was going to, and then I forgot he was still out. He threw but, for a touchdown and ran for two. Yeah. So I would – I'm hard-pressed to say that Illinois right now is technically better than Minnesota. But do we move so, them up to ooh, 11? I don't know. I kind of like that idea. Because Minnesota, in Listen, their two Big Ten games, both losses, have not looked good. Yeah, and Illinois, through five games this year, have already as many wins as they did all of last season. Right, and, and with one AJ of them's Bush, in the Big Ten. I know it's Rutgers. And but, with A.J. Bush in, that team looks a lot better than with him out. Yeah, he was out against USF, right? Or did mm-hmm. he get hurt in USF? I, Whichever one. Oh, because he got hurt in, against Western Illinois. I yeah, think. and so he was out against USF, so and they almost that, won that game. They only lost by six points. I think AJ Bush is that is a six to ten point swing for I an Illinois do. squad for sure. Um, you know, I Rivers didn't do bad when he came in. I'm right, not right, right, right. Not attacking him, but I think Bush elevates that team to a level that we haven't seen Illinois elevated to. My my concern only is is that they they play Purdue this weekend. And if Purdue, Game of the week, two weeks in a row for the Atlanta. If if Purdue like blows them out, you know, then are we left questioning whether they should have been eleven? Probably. But if they compete, I mean, I think 
All I'm saying is we've talked about a win's a win and a loss is a loss. Yeah, and they won. And the way they've won. They've got a better record than Minnesota. And Minnesota hasn't looked competitive. So, P.J. Fleck falling. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I think Illinois is 11 and Minnesota is 12. That's the best way to start my week. Yeah. Thir- Honestly, if you just move Minnesota to the bottom, that'd be fine too. But Rutgers is terrible. And 13, Nebraska hasn't I, done anything to move up. Hasn't done anything to move down, though, either. That's the thing is Rutgers, Rutgers at 1-5 and five is worse than if Nebraska finished 0-12. I mean, Nebraska could go at 0-12 and, and probably finish above Rutgers. And the reason I say that is because the one win that Rutgers has is Texas State. And every other game other than Indiana, they have looked helpless. Texas State week one, and yeah. then they lost to Kansas 55-14. to And then they get 55 put on them by... 42-13 to to Buffalo. 42, yeah. Compete with Indiana but lose by a touchdown. And then and lose 21. to Illinois. So, yeah, their margin of defeat is large. So Rutgers obviously up 14. Is this the worst Big Ten team you've seen in recent memory? Or is that too harsh? See, and you can make the argument that Nebraska's currently worse. But on on paper, paper, they they would blow the doors off of Rutgers. If Nebraska's offense is half of what Kansas was, they'd still blow the doors off of uh, Rutgers. So, and, and Kansas is, hasn't looked great since that game. Um, I was really high on that after that one. Probably shouldn't have been a um, couple of straight losses. But it's maybe not the worst because we've seen some bad Illinois teams. But this is also the worst Rutgers team that I've probably ever seen. Probably by far. Which is weird to think that like Rutgers was ever good. But, but you think about out when they had Ray, Ray Rice, Rice, who is a star coming out of college. Kenny Britt, yep. star receiver. Uh, they just had Carew. Yep, Laurent Carew and good college receiver. They had a couple of quarterbacks that were really uh, you know good, not great, but good. The worst thing Rutgers ever did, honestly, was join the Big Ten. But it's not really their fault that the academically Big East, it made sense and. Maybe in some other the New sports. York market, the New York market, yada yada yada. But football wise, it was near suicide. I mean, I've I've said I or said the this short line. term at least. Right. Well, probably the long term. They're on the wrong side of it. So, um, you know, I said this about Maryland last week. If Maryland's in any other conference, literally any other one, maybe other than the SEC, they're probably they an eight win or nine win team. Yeah. In this conference, I think the ceiling is eight wins. That's best-case scenario. Yeah, and that's if you win all your non-conference games. And one of their losses this year is to Temple. So they already outed themselves a win. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but they lose that game to Temple. And now you start sweating if you're Maryland about making a bowl game because you have to win every – just about every game on paper that you're favored the rest of the year. You can't slip up. Yeah, yeah, that's even like Illinois against USF. They lose that close one to them, you know, against a much better team, a team that's ranked now. But – it's any of those teams six wins on on that side or against the teams you have to play are hard hard to come by yeah. and you've got to find any and every way to get them and you know this this is the worst Rutgers team we've seen in a while I mean you again you can say zero and five is the worst Nebraska team we've obviously seen but stats stats aside. Rutgers is is just bad. I mean, you watch you watch Nebraska on the field, and they're competitive. They're just short. They're they're so close, and you know they're so close. You don't need Scott Frost to tell you that it's going in the right direction to see it. But with Rutgers, you don't know if it's going in a direction at all. <laughs> you don't know if it's even stalling out. And you, if it, it is, if it's stalling out and it's not going down, that might be a good day for you. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. If if they look. Indiana playing Indiana close was best case scenario because Indiana had the has the ability to you know beat a team like Rutgers by a lot more than they did and they just didn't. <laughs> so so that was our preliminary Big 10 rankings for this week. Uh looking elsewhere Rutgers is bad. What else yeah. do you need to say? Looking elsewhere in college football, Texas beat Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry 48-45. I was I was leaning that way. I I really wanted to pick him, but I didn't think I, did. I didn't think they would. That game was highlighted by uh, Kyle Murray's run. 
in the loss for Oklahoma. Uh, and this call by Gus Johns. Kyler Murray runs it. He's got to get out of bounds. Murray still moving. Wow! Look at the speed! Kyler Murray touchdown! OU 67 yards! That was Gus wow. Johnson. Uh, memorable voice. Just about everyone knows yeah, Gus it's... Johnson. Uh, one of our calls for the week. Each week we've done on our Monday show a call of the week um, from so far just the NFL, but that is a nominee for this week. We got lots of good calls this mm-hmm. week, and so that might be a finalist. We're going to pick two to move on, and then at the end of the year, uh, compare them all for the call of the year. Uh, thriller of a game and great call by Gus, though. Yeah, and, and it came down to a, a game-winning kick, or a walk-off kick, basically. And um, and Gus Johnson's dicker the kicker call. Yeah, and, and it was a tough, it was splitting hairs pick between those two. You know, he just yells the word earthquake. That's just, <laughs> Gus is that kind of guy where he can get away with that. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, and um, you know, I think Texas jumped way too high in the AP poll, um, going from nineteen to nine. But that surprised me too. They, they looked good. I don't know if they looked that good. I don't know if they looked nine in the nation good. Yeah, but, but they are five and one. Texas might not be back, but they're getting there. In the NFL, Vikings beat the Eagles twenty three twenty one which also had a highlighted call uh, from the Eagles broadcast. Wentz goes back to pass. He's looking low. Oh, it's, it. it's in the air, and it's Lindball. Rumble, 30, <laughs> 20. He's so hungry, he's going to eat in the end zone. Lindball, <laughs> Joseph. Excuse me, that was not the Eagles broadcast. Vikings broadcast on a Wentz interception. Uh, Paul Allen, KFAN. And the Vikings in a rematch of the NFC Championship. Top. Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, a lot of people said, you know, with Wentz coming back, that the Eagles would would potentially look better, honestly, than than, than a Super Bowl winning team, right? Um, but they did have Wentz most of last year. But they're two and three now. The Vikings are two two and one. Rams are undefeated. This thing they're opening in the wide NFC. open, um, and it's it's just going to come down to you know who who wins their divisions really. Washington leads the NFC East. Didn't expect that to happen at the beginning of the year. Um, what do you think about eating the end zone? I mean, that's correct. That's what he did, right? Should be copyrighted uh, by Jonathan Taylor, maybe. <laughs> yeah, there's. I mean, great call, uh, but that's that's one of those that you you sometimes wonder, like how how do you just come up with that on the spot? It's incredible. Moving on. Tannehill back to throw, under pressure, moving up, got hit from behind, the ball comes loose, gets scooped up, Sam Hubbard runs it into the end zone, but there are two penalty flags near the 10-yard line. That's holding on the Dolphins, Dan. Now, this is the same guy as the double dip on the ice cream, we've already we've already heard those beautiful voices before, Dan Horde and Dave Lapham, WCKY, Dolphins Radio, Um, Dolphins... Look to get the touchdown there. Holding call brings it back. And Bengals now sitting atop of their division, uh, 27-17. Yeah, Bengals 4-1, wide open AFC North. Um, Steelers are middle of the road this year. No Le'Veon um, so far. Uh, the Ravens are 3-2. The Browns are 2-2-1. Two, two there, There's a lot of movement that could still happen, but... Um, Bengals you know, deservedly so look like a team at the top of their division. You know, Marv is coaching for his job right now. He'll make the playoffs and not win or a game and win. somehow yeah. get an extension. Yeah, they'll go 12 and 4 somehow. And yeah, good for that. This is to win it. Snap is back. Ball down. The kick on the way. Line drive. The kick is good. With two seconds left in overtime, the Browns have won it. A line drive that almost had yellow paint on and the Browns beat the Ravens in what? overtime, Wait. 12 to 9. The officials are telling the players to get off the field. I don't know what. I think the Ravens were offside, Doug. Yeah, I do too. That is the ball game. That is okay. the ball game. Don't rain on my parade, Doug Deacon. <laughs> one of the worst kicks you could see was paired with one of the best calls you can imagine. That was Jim Donovan, WKNR850. Uh, another voice we've had already on the show this year. Yeah, that was uh, that was a kick that, you know, my kick probably would have looked the same way. Might not have gone through, 
but <laughs> I think I could have kicked a Would at least drive. had some yellow paint, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I probably would hit the crossbar, but... And when you're when you're Browns, Cleveland, Browns have already been an OT three times and almost OT a fourth time. And this game, twelve to nine, Cleveland won. Yeah, we saw how seven field goals between the two squads. Talk about special teams. Uh, one was a, one was a touchdown by Cleveland. Okay, I, see, I didn't watch the game, also, but I saw the twelve. They also missed an extra point. So the most Hugh Jackson thing is having that much faith in your kicker that man, he's just he's missed like three different kicks today. I said this the last time. <laughs> Why would you even kick it? I mean, they missed it against the Saints. At that point, you might as well just go for the end zone. I mean, I, I don't know, but but Browns getting a much needed, much needed win over division rival. Yeah, they were almost Ravens. one, two, and two to start the year. Jeez, I would have paid to see that happen. That's the most <laughs> Cleveland thing ever. I said that they're going to finish six, six, and four. They're going to have a five hundred record with ties. <laughs> it's every game they're in, but every game could almost go to overtime. It's crazy. Kick is long. It's end over end. And this kick is good. Oh, he did it. He did it. Unbelievable. <laughs> Mick, I don't believe it. 63 yards. Is that Jack Dempsey? Is that the Fred Cox? Tom Dempsey. Tom Dempsey? <laughs> that is incredible. Right, or Panthers, excuse me, beat the Giants 33-31 on that Gano game-winning field goal. Uh, that was Mick Mixon, Eugene Robinson, and Jim Soke, 11-10, WBT. And then that was paired with possibly the greatest Spanish broadcast of the game-winning field goal uh, today. That was Jaime Moreno and Luis Moreno Jr. on the Spanish broadcast for the Panthers. Yeah. Spanish one's moving on. I don't think there's any contest that that's one of our two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the end of that was just they were reciting like a Busta Rhymes lyric or something. <laughs> um, man, that was wild. The second longest field goal in NFL history. Um, what a leg by Gano. Great, 63 great yard. kick. And um, that was in an altitude like Matt Prater's was. Right. The original and, record. And the... Um, the other thing about his kick is, like, it went through halfway up the goalpost. So it could have been 63, you know, 65. Five yards back, that's still. Probably the only issue it had, I think it was a little windy, because the, the kick went up and, like, it was outside the, barely outside the goalpost and kind of curved back in, mm-hmm. but it almost curved back out. You put and, some more yards on it, you might not see it in, yeah. but it had the leg full. Oh, yeah, had the, if, you know, it all depends on the hash mark and the hold and, you know, you know whatever. But, yeah, he could have easily probably made a 66, 67-yarder with that kick. But the, the Spanish call, one oh, of the yeah. two yep. going through. Another one, uh, special teams winner, 13-12 to 12 for the Bills here. Snap is good. The hold is down. Housley's got plenty of leg. It is up, and it is good. It is good, and the Buffalo Bills win it. They knock off the Tennessee Titans. Steven Hauschka, a 46-yarder. The Bills win it 13-12. to House money indeed. Well, <laughs> John Murphy on WGR 550. Not only that, but playing with house money uh, to go with Steven Hauschka uh, on the game winner. But then the, the little yell at the end yeah. is what gets me. Uh, yeah, Bills good win over the Titans. Titans look uh, better than... Better than I think we expected uh, at the start of the year. But the other thing, too, is that he didn't look great yesterday. 12 points. Um, Mariota's been off and on. Uh, McCoy did come back, play for the Bills yesterday, had 85 rushing yards. Um, but Hauschka, I mean, that's, like I said. I, loved, I, I mean, that wasn't uh, Murphy's term. And that's been around for a while, playing with mm-hmm. house money. But that's one of my favorites in the NFL. And, and the thing, too, is, like, you know, we talked about, can you really name punters and kickers like that? And Hauschka's one of them that is... You can because he's been around so long, yeah. bouncing between teams, sure, but he's done well. But I, I've even, you know, listened to other people that are, like, questioning, you know, I, we joke around that the, the Browns are missing all these extra points and kicks, but um, you're seeing veterans miss those kinds of kicks now. They're missing chip shots. And, you know, who knows if it's the pressure of kicking longer kicks, if it's... 
the holds, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, a, a lot of these veterans are, are still out there <laughs> banging long field goals. So. We'll get to one more that's been missing recently, Mason Crosby. But first, uh, anyone that sticks out of you out of those calls that goes along with the Spanish to move on? Uh I, I'll have to to thumb through it. You know, I love some Gus Johnson, but we can come back Friday if you want with the <laughs> with the final answer. The Dolphins one stuck out to me, but I almost oh. don't want to put him through because he's already had the yeah the double scoops had yeah, the double dip on the ice cream. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. It's I I'll probably have to sit on it a little it was bit. A, it was a good the Browns one was funny. Yeah. But especially with it being Cleveland, <laughs> yeah, I like the Spanish broadcast. The uh, probably the Vikings one sticks out the most. Uh, eat Eating the end, the end zone. zone, yeah. yeah I think I, I, I like think that, that one was my one of my favorites too. So, so uh, those are likely the two to advance. W- Spanish broadcast for down, sure. But, oh yeah, it's a good I, week to listen to radio. Yeah, that's the the Spanish broadcast. That was incredible. If if I understood Spanish more. I would listen to it exclusively. I just like the breaking out into song at the end. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. I, I love it. And like I said, if I'd listen to it exclusively. I, <laughs> yeah, like you said before we went on air, imagine a first down call by those guys. Yeah, like what's a first down sound like? What's a touchdown sound like? Like what's a stop on fourth down? It's what would Kyler Murray's run have sounded like? You know, just – all these different th- those different factors that would have made it even better. I mentioned uh, Mason Crosby. The Lions beat the Packers 31-23. Mason Crosby, the Packers kicker, um, missed four field goals and <laughs> one extra point. We talk about special teams. We harp on it all the time when we've highlighted the good special teams uh, plays so far in these calls. One of the roughest weeks for one of the, uh, the most veteran kickers in the NFL. Yeah, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know where you go from there amazing crosby's a household name but do you do you get rid of him i mean See, rogers rogers looked phenomenal but when you're a, missing field goals that's 12 points they left out there, there. Was some years back where uh, i think maybe 2012 or 2013 mason crosby was really changing his mechanics on kicking because he was struggling and he went through a huge rough patch <laughs> and mccarthy and that team stuck with him um so i imagine that that is going to remain they're going to stick with him because um, even afterwards, you heard Aaron Rodgers mentioned how um, he doesn't blame Crosby. It'll get better. And you saw, like, Robbie Gold go through rough patches, and the Bears kick him out after one one year of awful kicks. And now he's back to being one of the best in the NFL. Yeah, the uh, only question mark really is is that he missed four field goals and an extra point in I mean, an indoor a, stadium. That's a lot. And in a dome. you can't blame it on Lambeau or, or the no conditions wind. up there in the tundra. It wasn't cold. Maybe they cranked the AC on. I don't know. But, like, that's the thing is. You're right. The fact that it was Ford in a dome. Field, Ford Field is a place that you have to go perfect. Yep. Because you're not going to get very many stadiums you where you will Pittsburgh go perfect. You miss a few in Pittsburgh at Heinz, everyone understands. You miss it in the frozen tundra in Green Bay, they understand. Well, you miss it in the in Superdome or you miss it at Ford Field. And people are going to be at your ear about it. And, you know, like I said before, let's keep it off of Twitter. Let's, let's stay away from the threats. However, it was ugly. It was not a good performance, but um, a great gutsy performance. Your boy uh, Sean McVay, that fourth and one call in I their lo- own territory. Yeah, fourth and one. Goff sneaks it and uh, gets the first down to clinch the game against the Seahawks. And Goff was amped about after that. Oh yeah. Team went to five and zero. Oh. Uh, it's all great in L.A. right now for the Rams, although I'm worried about Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup both yeah. going under concussion protocol. So I, uh, I had the Rams at minus seven, so I'm a little pissed and go for a <laughs> touchdown. But It's a couple weeks you've been hurt with the betting lines in the NFL. <sighs> yeah, not good. Not good. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not good with most lines. Hey, I was almost spot on with the Nebraska thing, though. I guess it closed at 18, but we picked it at 17. I said they lose by 16. Close by 17. Yeah. So... Elsewhere in the NFL, 19-16, to 16, Texans beat the Cowboys in overtime last night. Mm-hmm. Another thriller. Yeah, Texans uh, are currently the Texas champions right now. Cowboys not looking great this year. Yeah, i not really surprised. Um, I know I can say that as a Cowboy hater, but um, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay with it, personally. And then, of course, we'll pick tonight's game, Redskins at Saints. This is your squad. Who you got? Um, I haven't seen... Where the line's at. I think it's at six. Six for New Orleans. 
Um, I like the Redskins to at least cover this one. They've looked good, but Drew Brees is phenomenal. But I'm going to take the Skins. Give me 27-24. It'll be close. I'll take Brees and company in this one. I'll go 35-21. New Orleans rolls on to victory. Anything look, else? Look for Brees to uh, break the passing record tonight. Watch out. Till 200, Friday. 201 yards. 